Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord thanks. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, 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 Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. That's empty. It's okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Wonderful Heavenly Father, blessed be your name. 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 Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. We lift up holy hands together in one accord. We say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, exalt your name. Come, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are rich with good soil to receive your word. Lord, we gather around your word now. Spirit of God, this is your, this is your very breath. We come, we, Lord, we bring our faith with us. and We say, Lord, we mix the word with faith. Let, let it bring change in our lives today. Holy Spirit, as I have the opportunity just to come and proclaim your word, I, I ask you again for the matchless honor of the anointing of your spirit. Lord, let, you, let the anointing of your spirit be upon me, upon us in this room now. With thanksgiving, we open our hearts and minds to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 Hey, as you're opening your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, I want you to see that out in the lobby are these little uh, these cards just like this. Uh, and uh, here, I'll pretend that here, you need to see who this is exciting. Who else is excited about this? You don't count. No, <laughs> no you. I, I can't have first row people, okay? This is, uh, thank you very much. So, you count, but you know, not all the time. It's like Erin Brown's mom. I don't count on her. She, she raises her hand in class every question, and I say, no, everybody but you, Kathy, can answer. Because she always, she's a valedictorian. She comes back to audit. <laughs> I think to evaluate, but anyway. But those, uh, uh, those cards, Faith, let me have that back for a second. Uh, wait a minute. Right, you know, you're still on chocolate duty. Um, November, <laughs> it's funny, it's funny, Charlie. It's funny, girl. In November, November for the first week of November, I'm I'm headed to Cuba with Larry. So now it's, and, and I think some of you are starting to pick. Oh, right, he doesn't exactly know when Larry is going to do things exactly. So I'm headed the first week of November, and uh, we're flying directly into Havana, and we're, we're taking a smaller team. Uh, basically, the team is him and me. And, <laughs> and we, have, we have employees on the, on the ground now. Larry's actually hired uh, personnel from the assemblies in Cuba to help coordinate. What we're doing is we're going to do, we're going to meet with and encourage and minister to believers there. And that, so there'll be rooftop meetings and underground stuff. And not, we'll probably go all around the island and just kind of stay more, more flexible. Uh, and then uh, uh, we will, Larry has been raising money to help. 
Now, what, why, and he made these cards, and I said, hey, send me some so that I can just share them with the people. I, I told you last, last Sunday morning that you all gave, a, your, your September giving was just remarkable, over and above your regular giving. I, I, you know, the, the general offerings and tithes and offerings were what they were. I don't even really know what those were. But in a, a, above and beyond your regular giving, the fresh total is somewhere just shy of an extra $9,000 that you did in one month. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, again, I think we need to do something about the golf clap uh, practice that we're doing in here, but, uh, but it's okay. We'll figure that part out. Oh, very nice, very nice. Like, you clapped like I, get a, like I putted well or something. Oh. Um, yeah, so, I mean, so you sowed an extra $9,000, and the Lord never loses, loses track of one seed. So there's good things happening. So what I'm also trying to say is I'm also aware, as somebody who's not brand new, this isn't my first rodeo, I also aware that they 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 talk about things called giving fatigue. That you 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 know that you can't just keep expecting people to just do more and more and more. Except for that, we expect God to do more and more. And so, so on the other hand, so anyway, I'm not asking you to do something uh, sacrificial, tremendous, or lose your mortgage or whatever else. Certainly, don't divert regular giving. But if you want to help us, here's what we're going to do: we're going to take money and give it right to people who need it. There's no shipping and handling. The thing about this is it's not going to go to one agency, then it's, then it's going to get clogged up at some port somewhere. We're actually taking this essentially in our pockets or, but, or sending it directly to the people we're working with. So like, oh, here's a church, that, that, a pole barn church that was destroyed in the, because of the hurricane, absolutely devastated. Think no FEMA, no insurance, no money, communism, no money to start with, let alone no money to fix anything. So then we come... And we'll actually, we actually have thousands of dollars, and in that moment we can say, "All right, now we can pay. We can rebuild this church right now." So that's what we're doing uh, this trip. Uh, so we're surveying, encouraging, and helping with some relief work. In March, I'm taking a team. If you want to go and be part of a church plant and ministry tour in Cuba, you know I would put some money aside. Okay, I tell people save two grand. You might not need it all, but just have it just in case. And then if you have leftover, then just sew it. <laughs> all right. So there you go. So there's that. Those cards are out there. And I just say that just so you can be aware of it and be praying. You don't have to do anything today. Uh, and you can all do it. can all go right to faith of the nations. And uh, uh, you know Larry, and that, that's what you can do. I hate to take up too much time on that, but I just want to make mention that I am going. And uh, the board, uh, I kind of presumed upon their good graces to let me go. And uh, they... They, they you know, slowly, begrudgingly said yes. <laughs> they're, they're just absolutely against any kind of missions, you know, <laughs> kingdom preaching, helping people. Uh, actually, they were like, sweet, you're going to be gone finally? Great. Hey, thank you. Look at that. It's like I'm in, in Africa. Uh, wonderful. Yeah, thank you very much. We're spending the Sundays in October listening to the Apostle Peter. We will do well to lean into Peter's words to the church. The theme of our study is live like you're saved. Would you all say it out loud with me? Live like you're saved. Last week, Peter established that you are really saved. Try just rehearsing that. Tell your neighbor, you are really saved. And if you're not, you certainly can be today. Now, Peter's going to continue to affirm this truth all throughout 
the past all throughout the text. He's going to keep coming back to the significance and the, the totality of our salvation. But he's also going to, he's going to partner with it. There's a rhythm all throughout Peter. You're really saved, so live like it. You're really saved, so live like it. Uh, live like it because you're really saved. So, and and he, we talked last week about who he's talking to, this persecuted, scattered church. Uh, this morning, uh, Peter's going to tell us, you're really saved, live like it, live holy. Wow, the shout lowered. You guys don't have to lower your shout. Everybody say, live holy. If, if I were a fantastic communicator, what I would have done is I would have put up on the screen an image of someone of, of a Puritan dressed in black with a gray background and a very unhappy face and said, this is not what it means to be holy. <laughs> so because I'm a poor communicator, just imagine that I did that. <laughs> Our passage this morning is going to be from uh, chapter 1, verse 13, all the way through chapter 2, verse 10. So if you have your Bibles, open them up, uh, keep them open. That is our outline, and I'm going to read every word of it in the New American Standard. It's, in my, it's all in my notes here, uh, and then uh, I pray that you keep them open and take those Bibles to group. There's some discussion questions for you to hammer out and think about. So let's pick it up right at verse 13, where Peter has just said to them, hey, because you are really saved, therefore, everybody say therefore, there's a good hermeneutic, and I'm, I, it's so old, it's almost cliche, but I'm so, I, every time I say it to a group, there's always one or two gasps of revelatory insight. If in the Bible you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. <laughs> there's a reason it's therefore, and it means something just, whatever came before it is the reason for what's coming after it. Therefore, because you are really saved, because of everything he's just said, therefore, Prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely. I've got to be careful because I get so excited about the Bible, I start wandering and leaping off of it as soon as I see it, and I have other notes to say. But fix your hope completely. Like, don't put your hope anywhere else except on the grace to come, with the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You are a people to be absolutely possessed by a supernatural hope. There's this, there's this glow in your eyes. People say, they walk, those people walk around like they know something the rest of us don't know. They don't seem to be as blown away by the circumstances of life. They're not knocked over by, by trivial things, by one day gone wrong. What is wrong with those people? It's because they are possessed by a hope that does not belong to this world. The hope didn't come from it. This world can't take it away. I work really hard at writing things down. <laughs> Peter says, you're saved. Now, gird yourself. In the Near East area, they, they, wore, they didn't wear Levi's. It would have been more helpful for them, but we would have lost this word. They wore, you know, robes. So if you were going to do anything, you had to wrap that sucker up and tuck it into your belt. <laughs> had to get ready. And that's what he said. Tuck your belt, tuck your, tuck your robe in, weirdo. Well, he didn't say weirdo. Stir yourself out of your drunken stupor. 
you are really saved, so get ready to really live. Now that you're living for something more than this world, now that you know the reality of heaven and hell and life and death and light and dark, now that you know what it means to have real hope, you got to live like you're saved. Verse 14, now he's going to start giving us the rest of this. He's explaining this. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it is written... You shall be holy, for I am holy. You might ask, where is it written? A lot. It's, it's written at least three times in the book of Leviticus. Uh, but your Bible footnote might have Leviticus 11 there, but, it's, but the, uh, the, the, he's, Peter is drawing from Levit, the Levitical expectation that the one who has called you is holy, therefore you need to share. He is, he is inviting us and commanding us to emulate, to share in his holiness. Wow. As obedient children, you are to live distinctively as those who belong to God. Do not be conformed to or imitate or keep acting like your former lusts. Don't be driven along by, your, by unholy appetites. You, you, you live like a nut job when you live like that. Driven by appetite. My goofball dog eats the Irish spring soap. Go in the shower and you see a dog footprint, the soap's gone. Stupid dog. Why does he eat soap? Because he's driven along by an appetite. You are a better than dogs. Why'd you eat the soap? Duke was in front of me. Why'd you do that, believer? Well, it was in front of me. It's one of the... Do not act like you're not saved. preaching on holiness today, so I got my cup of joy out. <laughs> it's a cup of cheer. You're right. The other one says, joy. Live like the Holy One who called you. The Holy One who called you is holy, so be holy in all your behavior. You have been called by the Holy One. You got to get that part first. You didn't knock on his door. You didn't initiate this. This isn't the result of your idea or your effort. He called you. He called you out of and into his holiness, out of your darkness and into his life. So, so Peter says, so then be holy in all your behavior. You got to get the cause and effect here. Be holy because he is holy. The cause is not you. He's the cause. His holiness is the cause. Yours is the effect. Yours is the result. Be holy because you have been called by the Holy One. And then he says, and let's just enjoy this for a moment. Be holy in all your behavior. Behavior 
all behavior. Everybody say behavior out loud. Behavior. behavior. That means not just an attitude. It's so wonderful. Evangelicalism likes to talk about holiness as an attitude. Oh, it's just an attitude before the Lord. No, it's not. It's what, you're, it's what you do. You're not, it's not just an attitude, and it's not just a legal and spiritual standing before the Lord. Friends, guess what? As obedient children, we're actually expected to act differently. Your whole manner of life, your conduct, your conversation is to be holy, even as in the same way that the one who called you is holy. You're saved. Live like it. Live holy. Now, having established that Peter said that, it begs the question, hey, Peter, yeah, uh, what do you mean by that? What does he mean holy? Again, is that, do we dress in black and never smile? What is the deal? Does be, that would, no, that would be like Peter saying, be ye emo, even as he who called you is emo. <laughs> emo has to do with a dark emotional state that people carry. That's what the kids are saying. <laughs> Don't say that, babe. Who said that? You said Mennonite? Don't say that. Oh, oh in the 90s. I thought she ruled a whole branch of Christendom under the bus just now. <laughs> Easy, yeah. <laughs> live holy. Everybody say live holy. What does holy mean? That God is holy. The understanding in Scripture and from theology is that that God is holy means that he is absolutely pure. He is absolutely perfect, complete. He is absolutely separate and distinct from all evil, darkness, and uncleanness. Then for us to be holy actually means moral purity. It means spiritual wholeness and living distinct from the world and and in pursuit of godliness. But now, not godliness in terms of our standing before the Lord. I am not a try. I, there is nothing that I can do to add to what Christ has done for me. But I certainly can have a lifelong, joyful pursuit of modifying my behavior to become my identity. Let me throw. Let me push on this a little bit more. The first time, the first time this word "holy" is presented in the scriptures. It's not in Genesis where he says and he, and he, 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 he sanctified the seventh day and called it. That, he, that was a sanctifying. That's a, that's a verb. Uh, this, it's the same root, but that's a verb. So the first time that we have it as an adjectival noun, holy, is, the, is in the book of Exodus. And in a familiar passage that to most people know, even if, you've, if, you've, if you know nothing about the Bible, you, know, you probably have heard of Moses and the burning bush. But it's beautiful and, and, and informative that that's the story where if, if, we, if, we've, if you've never heard of holiness and you start reading the Bible, that's where you first learn it. Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, the Lord is speaking to Moses out of this burning bush, and he said, do not come near, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. First time we see that word. Now, Moses had been drawn to this burning bush. I want you to get the feel of that. He was on his way going somewhere else. Who initiated this interaction, Moses or God? God is the initiator. God is the one who causes this bush to burn without burning and and gets, gets Moses' attention so that Moses said, I will turn and see what this is about. There's a turning. 
You see, the, the, the revelation of God's holiness, of his presence, initially, immediately invites a turning. Moses turns and he begins to approach it. He's drawn there. He's called there. Someone say called. He's literally called there by the Holy One. But then the Lord says, don't come any nearer. First, take off your shoes. For the place where you stand is holy. Where God's presence was, it was holy. Where God's presence was, it was holy. Say that with me, please. Where God's presence was, it was holy. And for Moses to draw near, he had to remove his shoes. Now, I have never desired to give that much thought. I just kind of took it for granted. But since, since I felt, I've been felt compelled as of late to give study to holiness, I thought, well, what in the world? What, what should I try to understand? Well, uh, culturally, uh, then, and in, in, in that day, every, anybody who approached any sort of a deity figure to remove one's shoes was a sign of respect. Okay? We'll start with there. It was a sign of respect. Uh, but furthermore, for <laughs> the sandals that, that the sandals carried all of the stuff where Moses had been. The sandals carried the debris of everywhere he'd been. And the Lord said, take those off. Come near, take those off. Put off. There's a put off. It actually says, put off your sandals. We're going to come back and we're going to hear that word again. Put off those sandals. Wow. Put off the debris, the dust. Remove the 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 the. the the collection of junk from where you've been. And then there's something perhaps even more. Anybody, anybody's feet real sensitive? You know, like I'm not trying to be silly, overly silly, but if I took off your shoes and little, your bottom of your feet, would you go, ooh, you know? There's something about the bottom of the feet. They're very, very sensitive. I don't know why that is. You'd think they wouldn't because we walk on them. But they're exceedingly sensitive, aren't they? So when you take from from when Moses took off his sandals, there was a there was there was a the, the one of the most sensitive parts of his person came in contact with holy ground. Take off your shoes because holiness is about intimacy. Come close. Don't certainly don't be separated by the collection of debris. Take off those shoes and come close. Wow. It was a the depth of what, that, what happened there is, is significant, and it tells us something significant about be holy. Because holiness is, is something, or it's actually someone we become aware of by drawing near. Holiness is about drawing near and becoming more aware. Someone say more aware. Become more aware. It's about what I, it's a, it, it, does, it does require by default me putting off things, but it's about removing hindrances, about, about, about experiencing, about becoming aware, a consciousness of his presence. And it is the Holy One who has called us near. More, more so than Moses, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13, Paul says, you who were formerly far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. 
And we've talked about this in some, in some settings, some over the years, this word, you have been brought near. That is, a, that is a, for you, that was a passive experience. Someone else did the bringing. You have been squeezed close, is what the language means, by the blood of Jesus. Holiness, then, is not a code or a list. Holiness certainly isn't a list of things we don't do. You'll never, we'll never say, well, look, I'm holy because I don't do this, I don't do the other thing, or the other thing. Holiness is the result of closeness. Holiness is the result of awareness of God's presence. How would you live if you knew, if you believed that you were near to God? That God was near? Peter says, in all your conduct, in all your conversation, behave as one who is in the presence of the Lord. Behave as one who has been brought near. Many people do not live holy and do not think that they can live holy because they do not live near. They don't live holy because they don't live near. In other words, they do not believe that they have been brought near. They do not believe that they live in the presence of the Holy One. That perhaps they, perhaps they, perhaps that is for those who have earned that or who have acquired more points. Holiness isn't a list, it's closeness. Holiness is closeness. Holiness is consciousness. It is awareness of closeness. Friends, I want to caution you before I continue to say, do not try to get close to God. Oh boy, I got to try to get closer. I got to try to get closer. I got to climb this hill. I got to cross this path. I got to swim this ocean. No, 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 no. Do not try to get close. Believe that you have been brought near and live accordingly. If you try to get close, you will catch yourself in a circle of condemnation and performance. You will begin looking more at yourself than upon the Holy One. The secret to holiness is to look upon the One who has called you and know that He's brought you near and don't remove your eyes from Him and just live according like my, I am living in the presence of the Holy One. I want you to do it right now. Right now. Close your eyes, whatever you have to do right now. I want, you to, I want you to imagine being in the immediate presence of the Holy One right now. Consider yourself brought near. Sandals off. The tenderness of your life exposed. And closeness. Holiness lives close to God. Imagine. 
what would you change? What would you do? How would you think? How, how would you speak? Not in order, not in order to become or to accomplish, but in response to and because of. I want to tell you just very personally that how powerful this is for me. It's it's proactive. It it promotes a holy disposition and behavior in my life. And when I smell the scent of temptation, when I can hear the the vultures of temptation begin to squawk, it is the, the, the most powerful thing to do is to not, not try to say to myself, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. No. I begin to fix my imagination, my thoughts, my, my awareness on the nearness, on the presence of God. And the fire of His presence it displaces, it dissolves any power, any anything else. What if you practice just for 30 seconds being conscious of nothing but his intimate nearness, that you have been brought near to him? Holiness lives close. Peter continues in verse 17, he says, if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, would you say work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. He's still speaking to obedient children. He's still talking to those who are calling God their their father. If you call God your father, then remember that we also that all of us we will face the impartial judgment of that father on our work on what we do on our conduct even though he is your father you know he ain't your old man he's your father he's your daddy god but remember that same dad that same father is going to take a look at what you've done I, fa- I fancy myself an ac- actually, a not, I don't know about a good dad, but I am certainly a helicopter dad. I'm a, in many ways a pushover dad. I, I will do, I, I really am. I probably am a great big sucker. And part of the reason is I, like many of you, am totally enraptured with how adorable my children are. Right? No, I mean, not like, not that you're a dad with my kids. I meant you like your kids. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, you know how you all love my kids. <laughs> no, it's horrible. Uh, and even, even the husky one. You know, the one with the long hair, Spencer James. He's cute. But you know what? No matter how cute he is, I still have expectations from his conduct. And friends, no matter how cute you are, your conduct will be impartially judged. 
Oh, he loves you. He finds you adorable and delightful. He sought you. He called you. He bought you. He sought you. He bought you. All those things. You're wonderful. You are precious to him. He couldn't love you more than he does. He'll love you more tomorrow or whatever the saying is. But here's the deal. He still has expectations. He's still going to, all of us are going to have our conduct impartially judged. Ah, you can get away with that because you're cute. Nope. The, the, Peter's point is, even as, even as we live as obedient children, knowing that we're loved, we still live in a reverent awareness of God. We live our lives with reverent awareness. Verse 18 says, knowing that you were not redeemed with, the, with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers... By the way, that's another sign of telling us who this audience is. He, Peter is writing to a prevailing uh, Gentile audience. Uh, he's, he's saying that, you know, your forefathers had this futile way of life. He would not have worded the history of Judaism that way. Uh, he said, you, you, you inherited this way of life. You were redeemed from that futile way of life, but you were not redeemed with silver or gold, but, verse 19, with Precious blood. This word precious means priceless. But with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Friends, you were redeemed from your former futile way of life inherited from your fathers that he's not picking on your daddy he is saying you and i have inherited and this is where people they might press this but it's just true there is a pattern of sinfulness that is a part of people's inheritance they learn things it's impressed upon their even their biological code they get into habits and psychological behaviors and the people's favorite thing to do is to blame them I'm this way because I'm this way. I'm Norwegian or I'm Irish, so I fight and punch people and drink or whatever. I'm German, so I pick on my neighbors a lot. I, I, uh, every time I can, Brent, every time I can. What this means is that you have been freed from the patterns and the habits and the curses of those who came before you. That former futility has no right in your life. You have no obligation to sin. You have no obligation to sin. You have been redeemed. You have been bought back, bought away from that master. And your redemption is powerful and it is serious and it is sacred because you were not redeemed or purchased with with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the blood of Jesus. You were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Your redemption is not fragile. It's not temporary. It's not subject to change. Your redemption is perfect, is purchased by perfection. And as such, you are perfectly, powerfully, completely redeemed. Holiness lives as redeemed from the futility of sin. 
Verse 21, you who through him are believers in God. It's an interesting syntax there. You are believers in God who raised him, Christ, from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. You are believers. Say, we are believers. Uh, What that means is through Christ, you are believers. Through him, you live trusting. Because of him, you live trusting. Through him, because of him, you are faithful. Your trust in God is not just something that you have. It is the way that you live. Holiness lives faithfully. Verse 22, since you have have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren and the sisterin, since you have purified your souls, fervently love one another from the heart. Purified people are prepared to love. And since your souls are pure, your souls are pure. They've been purified. These are things you need to believe if you're going to live this way. If you believe otherwise, you're going to have a difficult time living this way. I mean, if you believe you're a sinner, you will sin by faith. You're just going to keep doing it because you're committed to it. Oh, I'm going to commit to being a sinner. Or you can believe the Bible. Since your souls are pure, you are ready to love. So then, love one another fervently from the heart. Fervently. Radically. Wow. Sometimes I pause, you know, so you, you, you pause and, you, and you, you remember the words of Jesus, by this shall all men that know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. We know it's important and we can quote it and we can, this is my commandment that you love one another. Bind us together, Lord, bind us. We know there's lots of songs about it. We sing about it. It's cliche. But here's this thing. Fervently love. What the question, it's begging, what if we did? What if we fervently loved one another? Now, again, I hear because I live in America, and I'm, I, God bless us. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. It doesn't see, does not say come to church demanding, expecting uh, uh, that you be fervently loved. I better be loved today. <laughs> the, the impetus is on you. You love. You do the loving. Don't show up with a sense of entitlement. And then just get yourself bitter. Well, you walked right by me. Yeah, I did. I probably walked right by you. I didn't mean I don't love you. I was just getting some coffee or I had to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Or I got four kids and I can't find them. Let me pick one. You come fervently loving. Listen, here's the deal. Holy people love people. Holy people love people. It's no wonder that those who have gone before us actually started to define holiness as perfect love. Holiness lives in love. Holiness lives in love. Verse 23, for you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. 
For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers. <laughs> yeah, it does. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Friends, you have been born again. Say, we've been born again. Now say it again. I've been born again. This, this phrase, born again, has fallen out of favor in contemporary language, uh, contemporary literature, paperback books, articles, uh, conference speakers, uh, all that kind of thing. Nobody likes that word. People don't use it. But the Bible uses it. And it was used by the New Testament writers to refer to regeneration. See, when you start defining down being born again as just kind of a new way of life or kind of turning over a new leaf or gosh and golly shucks, why don't you come to church and enjoy our laser light show? When you start defining down salvation, people are going to start not living saved. No one's going to start looking like or living like they're saved if they don't believe that something has happened to them. You've got to believe something has happened to you. Luke and Paul and James and Peter and John, all of them use this idea. You've been born again. Something has happened to you, something spiritual, something powerful, something real. The living, eternal word of God was planted in you, and it has brought forth new life in you. There was a holy seed that was planted in the soil of your life, which was what was death, death, and desolate, and dead, and dry. Was There was something living that was put in there, and now you have been born again. And that is why, and that is how, you can live holy. Holiness lives as being born again, by the word of God. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and evil. Pardon me, evil is also a good thing, but it's not in the Bible there. Putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Uh-oh, did you see a neat verb there? Putting aside. Putting off. The sandals. If you're going to come near, put those off. Like Moses, who had, in order to come near, he had to remove his filthy sandals. Friends, the Lord has called us to come near and to live near, but we cannot bring the junk with us. And I want you to take a look at what he talks about here, just in case you think, what does he mean? Put aside malice, deceit hypocrisy, envy, slander. It's unfortunate that, that some of that, that phrase has been replaced with in, over the years like makeup and miniskirts as if that was holiness. No, it's much more deeper than that. Friends, the deal is you cannot come near and at the same time cling to filth. You've got to put it off. You can. You must. This idea, again, of putting off or putting things away, the way of our old life is a phrase that is used. Again, James, Paul, Peter. In other words, to put off our former ways of life, to put off the things that used to define us, the debris of where we've been, 
That was an early and accepted expectation of believers. Holiness lives close. It, holiness comes near, but it comes clean. Verse 2, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Uh, th this phrase, like newborn babies, is not an endorsement to stay a baby. It's a metaphor, not an imperative. It, the word there is, there's an actual like in that phrase. He didn't say, Lino, like babies? No. As like in comparison to newborn babies, crave or long for the pure milk of the word. You know what? How many know this? That healthy infants are hungry. Appetite is an indicator of health. How's yours? Appetite is an indicator of health. How's yours? We need to remain hungry for the nourishing life of the word so that we can grow up. Do not, do not understand this phrase, remain hungry, like uh, like you are the bloated, belly-starving orphan uh, who has been abandoned by a distant God. That's not hunger. We're not hungry because we're starving and abandoned and have to gain his attention. We're hungry because Peter said, you're hungry. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, you'll be back for more. We need to remain hungry for the nourishment so that we can grow up. Beware of apathy. Beware of a loss of appetite. Holiness stays hungry and holiness grows up. Holiness stays hungry and holiness grows up. Now, let's just take a quick time out here and just review what we've said so far about what it means to live holy. Holiness lives close to God. It lives in reverence toward God. It lives as redeemed from the futility of sin. It lives faithfully. It lives in love. It lives born again by the word of God. Holiness comes clean. Holiness stays hungry and grows up. In case at this point you begin to feel like you wonder if you can live this way. Let me pause and remind you. Go to that next slide for me, will you? As long as you underestimate how saved you are, you will underlive how saved you are. As long as you say, I don't know if I can live that way, you're underestimating what's happened to you. Peter closes this section. It's not coincidental that he closes this section of these high imperatives, this, this, this idealistic calling to this holy life. He closes this section by reminding them and by default reminding us, you are really saved. You are really saved. You are really powerfully, wonderfully saved. 
That's verse 4. And coming to him who has a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious or priceless in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are living stones. You are being built together as a spiritual house. You are holy priests with all of the rights and the responsibilities of holy priests. For Verse 6, for this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. What do you need to do? Someone say, believe in him. him. Say it again, believe in him. him. He who tries his bestest will not be disappointed. No, no, no. He who gives it a good old college try. No, he who keeps a list. No, he who believes on the cornerstone will not be disappointed. Put all of your faith, put all of your confidence, put all of your trust, build yourself on that cornerstone, and you won't be disappointed. Your trust in Christ is as certain as a cornerstone. Christ is the foundation of your faith laid by God himself. Verse 7, this precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. And verse 8, a cornerstone, pardon me, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word And to this doom they were also appointed. The same stone, Christ, who is your hope and security, is for those who do not believe he is a stumbling block and an offense. And Peter says those who reject Christ are doomed. But you, you, verse 9, you, you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had once not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are a chosen race. You are a new, united race in Jesus Christ, specially favored. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are his possession. You are his personal treasure. You have been called out of darkness. You have been called into marvelous light so that you will proclaim, you will make known, you will reveal and manifest the excellencies of the one who called you. All of this has really happened to you. You are really saved. So live like it. Live holy. Let's stand together as we close this morning. Once again, lean your hearts in closely. It's not a mysterious little bush that's burning, that yet not burning up. It's not something that opaque. 
the burning one is Jesus himself. <laughs> the burning one is Jesus himself who comes with arms extended and calls you so that you will say, I must turn aside and see this one, this burning one. By the shedding of his blood, he has brought you near. He has cleansed you. Now lean in. Draw near. Be, be, be close. My, my, my prayer is that you at, you at the same, that there, there's a concurrent uh, feelings of comfort and love and, and reverence. This holy awe, this joyful wonder. Consciousness of his presence. Consciousness of his presence. Peter said that for those that those who disbelieve in Christ, that that's that that is their doom that there is there's nothing left for you if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ if you haven't believed upon him as your savior so with everybody's heads bowed in this room right now I just I don't I know a lot of you it's not about that I just want to say is there anyone here this morning that you would say I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to build my life on him as the cornerstone. I, like, like Peter said, I need to be born again. Everybody just say born again. I, don't, I think we need to just, just radically embrace that terminology so we understand we're not talking about an, an opinion poll here. We're not voting. We're, and we're, at, we're asking God to put his word in our heart to receive the living word, Jesus Christ, right into our hearts, that we would be born again. Is there anybody here this morning that, you, that you, you don't, you're not sure? You're not sure about your relationship with God, but today you say, I, I think I need to be born again. I'm not talking about, you know, you had a bad week or something like that, and, you know, you're a Christian and you've been living for Jesus and you're disappointed with yourself. I'm not talking about that right now. Just, I need to be born again. I don't think I'm, my life is right with God. And right now, how you say, how do I know? Because right now the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart. He is pulling you. He's calling you aside. Just like he did with Moses. He's still summoning you to turn. Come. Is there anybody here this morning? If you, I want you to lift your hand. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. You say, I want to be born again. I say, Right now, lift it up. Let me see you. Some of you aren't even waiting. I want to be born again. I'm not sure that I have been, but I need to be born again this morning. Lift up your hand. Hold it up so I can see it. Hold it up. I want to be born again. I want to be born again. Now, how many of you would say, are you mean that enough to let me pray for you? It's a real deal. It's not a whim. It's, so, it's too important to not be sure.
Can I pray with you this morning? Can we pray for you this morning? If you can, I can I ask you just? I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to have uh, I'm going to have bop 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 just right here. Come, will you come right now? And we can pray with you. Will you come right now? And say I want to be born again this morning. Come right now. Come right here. Right here with me. We're not glaring at you. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Come, come on. Come on. Jay Z. Here. Yeah, I want you to pray right with these people. I want you to talk to them, ask, ask them a question. Anybody else this morning to say, that's it. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I, I think I've been born again, but man, I have not been living for Jesus. It's been a long while since I've taken the, I've let him take inventory of my soul. And I need to get right with Jesus today. I, we're, there's not a, we're not throwing shade. There's no shame here today. There's no condemnation, but there is cleansing. There is hope. There is renewal. You need to, if you think, hey, I need, to, I need to do business with God today and make some things right, I want you to come and, come and join us right here. We'll still work. Before we finish, we're going to pray, all right? All right, everybody in the room, let's pray together, will you? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks today for the living word of God that's caused us to be born again. We thank you that you've called us and that you are holy and that you've called us to be holy so this morning Lord we lean in we lean close we live close we live in your presence we believe on the cornerstone we are really saved we'll live like it in Jesus name Amen, 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 amen. Let's bless the Lord, can we? Let's bless the Lord. We've got folks praying down here at the front. If you'd like prayer, you can find your way. We'll have a deacon or an elder. We'll find you to pray with you and for you. As you leave here this morning, guard your hearts and your mouths. Say something kind to people. Say, be positive, let the praises of God. You've been called to show forth the praises of him. Go get some praise on.